Welcome to Investing for Us, where we help you understand investing in personal finance without using lingo only Wall Street understands. I'm Doug Page. Rich Masterson and I review the latest doings in the stock market and explain in simple language what you need to know, and hopefully that puts more money into your pocket. Rich, uncertainty continues to grip the stock market. Last Friday on the 17th, the stock market ended on a down note when it lost more than 500 points. And as we head into Christmas this week, it's hard to predict what direction the market is in. But of course, in a sign that Santa might exist, two major stock indexes, the Dow and the NASDAQ, were up sizably yesterday. And so far, so good today. But you know that the Grinch is out there somewhere. What's worrisome is the latest COVID-19 news. The Omicron variant is beating Delta and is responsible for 73% of the new COVID cases. And yet, there's a story on Bloomberg's website that suggests you're 80% less likely to be hospitalized if you come down with the Omicron variant, but your chances are double you'll pick it up if you fly commercial, especially coach. You have to wonder when the airlines will start selling seats in COVID class. Meantime, the New York Times reports there are more than 50 million Americans suffering with COVID, and a sizable amount of those patients, about 35%, are concentrated in five states, California, Texas, Florida, New York, and Illinois. Rich, in pre-Omicron days, all of a few weeks ago, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell predicted the U.S. economy would grow by 5% this year and unemployment would fall to 4.6%, the lowest since May 2020. But given how erratic stocks are, plus how rapidly the Omicron variant is spreading, should Jerome Powell change his mind? Well, that's a mouthful. And um, I wonder if they serve alcohol in the COVID section of the plane. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, know, Doug, um, (laughs) this is not the week right before Christmas to get depressed. But, you know, you got to think and try to take a macro view of what's happening with this COVID thing and how it's affecting our economy. Um, an example, one of the financial stats that was delivered today was the um, GDP for the third quarter. And they were looking for 2.1 and they got 2.3. Um, Pal even mentioned that, you know, if we can finish the year at 2.1, and start growing it back next year, we would be in good shape. And, of course, that's one of the scorecard uh, items that we're watching closely as we go into next year. But that's a better number than expected. Right. And at the same time, um, consumer confidence rose 3.9 to a five-month high of 115.8. So... There's consumer confidence, they're spending money, and, you know, there are some issues in employment. We're trying to get full uh, full employment, and so many people are changing jobs, looking for better jobs because of the job market, and companies continue to have good earnings. This is all a formula for a booming economy. Right, of course. And why are are we letting this COVID take us on this roller coaster ride day after day almost? You know. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you saw uh, at least a few days ago 
the, the market drop sizably uh, due to new new news about Omicron uh, that we had not seen before. Is the stock market just prone to overreacting? Well, the stock market always overreacts, Doug. Um, you know, people get nervous. And, you know, especially now with, you know, the bond market being what it is, a lot of people are in the stock market. I mean, you talked about some of the, you know, statistics on how many people are in the stock market on average, the average family. And, it, you know, this is the only place for them to put their money. And so retail investors are going to get nervous a lot quicker than institutional investors. And when they have these gigantic crashes and they look at their stock portfolios and say, oh, my God, you know, I lost $5,000 today. Mm-hmm. You know, that has a psychological effect on them, you know, and then it comes all back the next day and you're totally confused. The problem yeah. is, Doug, let's, let's take a minute in history and go back and look at the major crashes of the stock market. Obviously, 1929, we don't need to rehash that one. But, you know, let's look what happened in 87. Let's look what happened in 08. And believe it or not, Doug, in 2020, in March of 2020, was the biggest drop in the stock market in history. And a week later, it came back. Yeah. So, I mean, no wonder our listeners, us, are totally confused and totally wiped out by a roller coaster market. But you go back in history and look at all those events, you and I can name specific things going on then that caused the stock market to react to the way it did. But everything points to the economy roaring right now. And yet because of the COVID issues, the market is just crazy up and down. And what is causing that? Listen, the market can build in bad news. You know, if we have a tremendous, horrible weather across our farms in the country, we can predict that the cost of bread from wheat or the cost of everything that corn is used for is, we can make those predictions. The markets can build that stuff in and be prepared for it. But the amount of information, the amount of misinformation, the amount of information that's changed from week to week and day to day over this COVID is scaring the living hell out of all of us. And we're at the point where we don't know who to believe. And the market is feeling that. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah, there seems to be an an infinite amount of confusion out there. And and I'm not suggesting that the people who are giving the advice are confused, but it just seems like the headline changes almost by the hour. And uh, it certainly causes uh, the market to react. uh, And then it certainly causes people to, to wonder, I, I think I'm, I'm not trying to be cynical here, but I do think that a certain amount of cynicism begins to run through the country uh, in terms of where you can get a straight answer about COVID-19. Exactly. 
Exactly. And because there's so much varying opinions, you know, it really concerns the market and keeps that volatility high. You know, Doug, I thought science was more of an exact uh, discipline. You know, economics can be interpreted a thousand ways because of the numbers and how the numbers fall. But science, you know, we know what happens when you mix chemical A and B. We know what happens when you isolate and use a certain chemical against a certain bacteria. We've learned those things over the years. And with all the research and all the work that's going into this COVID, why are we still confused? Right. Exactly. One, one might wonder. One might wonder. Rich, when you, when you think about the Omicron variant uh, or COVID-19, let's just say in, in general, uh, what, what kind of threat does, does this pose to the economy when we think about inflation, supply chain issues, employment, uh, or anything else that could in, in, impact the economy? You're a small business person, say, Doug, and you own a a nice restaurant in uh, in the town where you live in. And with all this going on, are you ready to open up a second location? Uh, Are you ready to, you know, increase your advertising in order to bring more people into your restaurant? Or are you nervous and holding back and waiting to see what happens? Because every night, Half your tables are empty. That's one example, you know, and it just continues throughout the economy and these small businesses that are all struggling. They're the lifeline. They hire more people than large corporations do. But but what if you're an Amazon.com or if, even if you're not an Amazon, let's just say you're a, you're a big Fortune 500 company. Are you going to be as impacted as much by by uh, the COVID nineteen uh, as a, as to say like the restaurant owner? Well, there's obviously going to be some impact, but no. you know most of these big companies either have the cash to weather it, right, or they have the political support. I mean, look at the airlines. Sure. Now the airlines lost billions through the COVID pandemic. But the government subsidized them to keep them alive. But are they going to subsidize your little restaurant there? No. So, you know, it's it's difficult. The disparity is difficult to even comprehend. Listen, it would be devastating if half of our airlines went bankrupt and folded this past year. I get why the government supported them. I understand. And... You know, those types of things need to be taken, but it still should not be a nervous economy, a nervous stock market right now, because everything's firing on full cylinders. You know, one of the crazy things after the market dropped the other day and when it came back yesterday, one of the things that came back strong were cruise lines and airlines, Hmm. even though a big cruise ship who had Full vaccination passengers had 26 people come down with COVID on the cruise. Right. I mean, what the hell's wrong here? You, you really do have to wonder about all this. So let's think about this. Uh, given how temperamental the stock market is, 
What's your lesson of the week? Uh, should uh, should our audience, uh, how should they manage their portfolios? Should they sell them off or should they just stop consuming business news and hope that these up and down days just go away? Well, I hope I, I can't remember who said it on one of the financial stations yesterday um, because I would give that person credit. I can't take credit for this. But if you're an investor, an average investor like the rest of us, Yesterday was a snow day. <laughs> Just ignore it. <laughs> Stay home. You know, watch TV. Watch old episodes of Gunsmoke or something and don't even look at it. Right. Because there's nothing you can do about it. Now, the biggest lesson, and we've talked about this, Doug, on other down days. The biggest lesson is, is do not give up on your plan. You know, you're investing for a reason. And that reason is different for each and every one of us. And we're all in different stages of our lives. We all have different goals. We all have a different vision of the American dream. But you can't let what's happening cause you to give up on that dream and just bury all your cash in your mattress. You just have to ride it out. And the only way to do that is to look at your portfolio on a graph and think of the times when it went up and down. You can see it right on the graph. But overall, the general line of your portfolio is going from left to right. It's growing year after year after year, some years more than others. And some years was a scary moments here and there, like the day before yesterday. Right. So, you know, I I follow when I own stocks in my portfolio, I follow the rule that I learned from Investors Business Daily, the 8% rule. If I lose 8% on any position, I sell it because chances are it's going to go down more than 8%. And I, I, I've already... I'll be honest, I, I've tested it. I said, oh, that's too good of a stock to let go right now. I'm going to wait. And now I'm selling it at 15% loss instead of eight. But when you, you know, have a day, but when you have a day, let me just interject here real fast. When you have a day when the stock market drops by 600 points, for example, should you should you sell the stocks that are below 8%? Because the likelihood of it is a number of the stocks that you're carrying in your portfolio are going to be dropping by more than 8% or at least by 8% when you have a day like that. Again, it's a it's a market reaction. It's not an individual uh, indictment for, uh, potentially on the company or the stock. So no, no, what no, do you no, do no, then? No, Doug, I don't mean 8% in a day. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about your gain in that stock drops sure. below 8%. Sure. Understood. 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 But I just wanted to make sure that you know, given uh, with our audience, I just wanted to make sure that we're that we're just totally clear on that. That when you have a a day when the market drops dramatically, that nobody overreacts to it. Yeah, which I, is what every I usually have two to three uh, purchases that were made within the last thirty to forty five days. Sure. And during those 30 to 45 days, if there is a dramatic drop and I see that already I'm at an 8% loss, you know, that's a tough decision. Right. You know, um, because you obviously felt good about the stock to invest in it. 
but you wouldn't have predicted that we would have a day like Monday that would just devastate that stock. So I might give more consideration to the two or three newest positions. But if I'm holding a stock for six months and in one day, one bad day, it drops below 8% gain for those entire six months, I'm letting go of it. Sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, Rich, the reason we started this show was to provide the best information and advice possible to people who are invested in the stock market. And of course, we're not talking the Wall Street pros. We're talking about people who have a 401k plan through their employer or who may have set up their own IRA, but they're challenged about how to manage it. The Motley Fool reports that more than half of all Americans, about 147 million, own stocks, but that the average American family has a portfolio that's worth about $40,000. When you think about that number, $40,000, I wonder if there are a lot of people who realize they may need that money in retirement, despite the fact that it is an an IRA or a 401k plan. What's your thought about that? Well, my thought is, is that you've heard the expression that you will never become wealthy working for someone else. And those opportunities and the tolerance for risk are just too far away for most people. And so their best choice is is to find a good job, maximizing their skills and trying to earn an honest living off of that job and saving as much as they can. And that's savings that they're doing. And it could be, you know, one of the first things that was pounded into my head, not from my parents, you know, my parents didn't even know what a stock certificate was. But as I began to really learn about investing, one of the things that was pounded in my head was pay yourself first. And you think about that, all the bills you have to pay, your rent, your food, your car, your insurance, you know, you cannot forget to pay yourself first. That's an investment in your future. And once you begin making that investment, you want to protect it and you want to maximize it. And that's why you learn about the stock market or you learn about the risk that you're able to take and either get help or learn to do it yourself and make that portfolio grow, despite all the things that impact it from day to day and week to week. Because compounding is the key right there. You know, you put $10,000 away when you have a newborn baby and you simply put it in a standard and poor's fund and you reinvest the dividends and you forget about it. By the time that kid goes to college, he or she's going to have over $200,000 in that account. Just from one $10,000 investment. Think about that. It's just, Doug, you know what most people can't get past? The first $10,000. Right, right. Right. They look at it as an expense item or I'm losing money or I'm taking money away from me. Exactly. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. You know, according to a recent Gallup poll study, minority communities, specifically black and Latino ones, are less likely to own stocks. Yet recently, Melody Hobson, the co-chief executive officer of Chicago-based Aerial Investments and the chair of Starbucks, wrote an article in the London Financial Times saying it's time for people to confront financial literacy. You know, what's been your experience with this issue when, when you've met someone or run into someone 
who's truly confused by the stock market? And do you have any words of wisdom about how to address the needs of minority communities and how they should get involved in investing? You know, (laughs) I'd like to drill down deep on this one, Doug, and I'll tell you how. There should be a survey. Someone should fund a survey by different age groups to ask the question, when you were in high school, were you taught how to balance a checkbook? Right. Were you taught how to buy a stock or what it meant to be a stockholder? And I guarantee you, it's horribly embarrassing because it's just not taught in school. And I know myself, if I knew just a portion of the things I knew now when I got out of college, I'd be a hell of a lot better off, wouldn't we all? And so education starts in school and the importance of it. And I think what's happening is, is that, you know, that there are communities that are suppressed because of poor education and because they're just trying to get out of the school safely. You know, we invest so much money as a country in so many things. I think the most important thing we should be investing in is those schools. You know, we all love the story of someone who grew up in an unfortunate, sad part of town, the dangerous part of the city, and they worked their way out of it, got into college, and made something of themselves. We need more of those stories, and we need to find ways to help those achieve those goals. And if we do that as a society, it will make a huge difference in our country. You know, we want to spend billions and billions of dollars on saving the environment. Let's save our education. These smart kids will figure a way to save the environment. Sure. When you when you run into somebody who learns about your interest in the stock market and you've discovered that Perhaps their knowledge of the stock market is not as strong as yours. Have you had the opportunity to give them advice? And if so, what have you said? Well, yeah, of course. Um, You start with your own kids, you know, as as they grow up and get married. And your friends and your family. Uh, I remember introducing my parents to the first mutual fund that I wanted them to put their money in. I mean, you would think I was asking them to, to cut off a couple fingers for me, you know. But the reality is, is that people are hungering for this kind of information. You know, that's why we started this, Doug, because I, I run into this all the time. And sometimes it's completely unplanned, you know. And people sometimes will just ask you, you know, who do you go to for your financial advice? And it leads right into a conversation. And I obviously don't like to share the stuff that I bought because the things that I buy in the stock market may not fit what is in the plan for someone else. But I, I try to get people to get a book. Peter Lynch's book written so many years ago, probably the best advice of all. And just try to figure out, what do I want to do with my life and my money? 
And when you get that plan, you figure out how am I going to get there? And if you don't know, find somebody to teach you. Find somebody like the gentleman we had on, the financial planner we had on last week. You know, he seemed like an honest guy. Give him a try. And and if, if you want to be a little more riskier and you want to do it more on your own, put it in a mutual fund. You know, you can buy a Standard & Poor's mutual fund like Vanguard, Schwab. They all have one. And it mimics the top 500 companies in the country. So if 100 of them are down and 400 of them are up, chances are your total portfolio is going to be up. And ride that alone if you don't want to take the time to learn about individual stocks. It's a great way to watch your money grow. And it's kind of fun. I mean, I love getting alerts on my iWatch, you know, that I have set so that I can not only take a look at maybe what needs to be fixed, but also it's like a cheering section for me. Keep up the good work. Well, there you go. For Rich Masterson, I'm Doug Page, wishing you a wonderful holiday season and saying thank you for listening to this week's episode of Investing for Us. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments about the show, please email us at comments at investingforus.com. That's comments at investingforus.com. Investing for Us is an audio production of Masterson Page, LLC, Galena, Illinois.